Hi, thanks for tuning in to the Bacon Wire podcast. On today's episode, Carter Landis joins us to talk about MSU basketball. We also talk about Ben Van Summer and transferring from Michigan and coming to MSU, WandaVision, and then Carter and I talk about The Bachelor for a little bit. So stay tuned for that. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not Pepe Silvia-ing my way into figuring out how MSU can make the tournament this year, I'm Spartan Dog 97. I'm joined by Lucas. Brett couldn't be here, but we got Carter with us. Guys, what's going on? Thank you for letting me back on. Yeah. Good to be back. More than always welcome. We had to talk to our investors. It was uh, it was contentious <laughs> to say the least, but um, they, they eventually relented. <laughs> so we haven't recorded in a minute. Our fault. It is what yep. it is. Yep. Um, but a lot of, a lot of MSU basketballs happened since we last sat down, since we last entered the, the zoom call. And, uh, we're just gonna, we're going to focus mostly on the win at Indiana yesterday, because talking about winning is fun, um, way more fun than losing. But, um, I want to talk, I kind of want to do a state of the program Yeah, because we're entering the home stretch of the season here. Um, MSU's tournament uh, hopes aren't dead. Um, the best way, I'm going to go on a long non sequitur metaphor. So if you guys need to go pee, grab some water, like now's the time to do it before we start doing the conversation. Um, my mom had this cat in college. And before she graduated and moved out of her house in college, it went missing for like two months. Like it, and on the day she was moving out to, to move back home, the cat just showed up at our doorstep. Like she hadn't seen the cat in like literal months showed up at her doorstep. And the cat stayed with her for like the next 20 plus years. There are pictures of me as a newborn next to this cat. And as it got older, it started losing control of its bowels, uh, pissing blood, and not eating in skin and bones. Right now, MSU's tournament hopes are that cat at the end of its life. It's not dead yet, but maybe it'd be better off if it was. Yeah. So earlier in the week, Izzo gave basically the the come to Jesus talk. Um, he sent a shot across everybody's bow. He was like, this is an audition. Everybody's up. Everybody's scholarship is in question. I don't believe I don't believe that, but sure. Uh, that's what he said. And they come out Saturday and they win and they look good doing it. Uh, Carter, you know, you're, you're more academic about the sport than Lucas and I are. Um, what was different on Saturday that you saw from the previous performances? So much more offensive cohesiveness. There was much more motion on the offensive end before it was just one guy would, 
dribble around and then dribble himself into trouble. Everybody else would just stand there and there would just be no hope. And then they'd chuck up a really horrible low percentage shot at the end of the shot clock. And, and it just didn't look like an Izzo team, you know, that could score the ball in the past. And then we actually saw them move the ball. We saw them uh, make extra passes, like the one that was a kick in the corner to, it was Gabe or Langford uh, that Kithier made when he was under the basket that I was particularly a fan of. Uh, but that was the whole thing is they were playing so much smarter offensively in the second half, especially after they had came out of the gate really slow and turned the ball over a bunch of times. Um, and I think that that talk lit a fire in a couple guys uh, from Izzo uh, that he had earlier in the week, especially Kithier, because I think he was kind of somebody who probably took particular uh, that message particularly personal because we saw him play pretty spectacular defense for a while on Trace Jackson Davis. He kind of helped them get back into that game, defending the one guy on Indiana who could really consistently beat them. So I think it was a couple things, mostly offensive efficiency. Uh, Kithier stepped up big. Um, we saw a couple lineups that also worked, a couple small ball lineups that looked uh, much better than before. Henry stepping his game up tremendously. Uh, all of those things were a lot of factors. It, it seems to me um, a trend I've noticed throughout the entire, the entire season is what MSU looks its best when the rotations are tighter. Uh, I think 12 players saw the floor against Iowa. 11 saw the floor midweek uh, against Purdue. Uh, it's, you know, it's very sloppy basketball that, that MSU has played so far this season. And, you know, when I think, when you think back to the times where MSU has looked competent against Duke against, um, you know, even though it was a loss, Wisconsin, the rotations have been tight and they've been consistent. And, um, you know, the, the lineups have been smaller. Uh, Lucas, what's, what has taken Izzo so long to tighten up the lineups? I don't know, but I liked it. <laughs> um, it's no, I'm not going to make, well, I find it funny the first game that um, Foster sits, they find their rhythm offensively, but um, I was really, really, really fucking impressed with Aaron Henry. He's, I think he's going to have a shot at the NBA and games like this will race, race scouts eyes like, you know, 27 points and, and he played the whole fucking game. Um, for not, he knew it's like, he, I think the problem with this team this year is there's no one who's just stepped up and has been like, I'm going to be the leader. Like I'm going to say shit. Um, you know, Tom Tom wasn't wasn't great offensively, but he gave it his all, and he was a guy who who could wake people up or get a spark going. And you just really didn't see that on this team. And I thought it would be Rocket. I mean, we all thought it would be Rocket, or maybe Hauser, who I think has been a disappointment, but he still he still can prove himself. Um, I I don't know what the fuck took him so long. I start I'm starting to think. He saw what Michigan did coming out of their pause. You know, they were down against Wisconsin early and they came back and kicked their ass. 
they beat the shit out of Rutgers and they just, they played a really great game today against OSU. And I think he saw like Howard, you know, getting all these transfers, you know, their backcourt is full of transfers and it's working. It's working really well. And they're not missing a beat. It was opposed to we, we came out of the break and we got 30 pieced, you know, it, it was a very stark contrast. And I think that is going to make him kind of change a little bit, not change a ton because he can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I think it's, I think it's woken him up a little bit and he realized what the transfer portal can do now. All right. I hope, I really hope, I hope it's not just smoke and mirrors or else I'm going to be really upset in a couple months. Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, like you said, Lucas, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but Izzo, you know, it, he's played the one, (coughs) excuse me. He's played the one and done game before, you know, with mixed results. Yeah. Um, I would say that the Jaron Jackson Jr. experiment, um, was I don't want to call it a failure, but no, it also it also didn't have its intended purpose. No. And I think a problem, a big problem this year that could potentially carry over to next year is that there's no there's no leadership. You know, say what you will about about Tum Tum, but he was a leader. Like guys looked to him. And I'm not really sure on this roster who's here this year or who's going to be here next year, who's going to be that guy that Pierre Brooks, um, Jay Nakins, you know, um, Max Christie, those are that they're going to look to and say, okay. Like we're down six, we're down six with three minutes left. What the fuck? What are we doing? You know, there's going to, you know, there's who's going to give the nut up or shut up locker room speech. You know, I don't, I don't see it on this roster. Am I missing anything Carter? No, I, I agree. I mean, I think it will be a problem going into next year. It's been a bit of an, I mean, not really a bit of an issue. It's been a pretty, Tremendous issue this season. Um, I think that over and over, you know, Izzo in press conferences was was calling for somebody to step up and be that leader this season. And nobody really has. I mean, Henry's kind of supposed to be that guy. And I think he is the alpha dog on this team. But there has to be the intangible that he that he lights the fire in the guys, you know, when they're down. And I, I don't really know if he does that. I think that we haven't seen that on the court. But yeah, next year, I mean, Henry being gone more than likely, I'd say like 99%, he's probably not going to be back. Mm-hmm. Him being gone, Langford being the most experienced guy in the room, hasn't stepped up at least vocally when I kind of thought he would be, because I thought he did a pretty good job last year coaching uh, from the bench being injured. But yeah, I don't I don't know who that vocal leader on the team is going to be next year. I mean, with the most experience, I mean, Hauser could be that guy. He doesn't really look look or seem like it. I mean, from a playing or vocal perspective, I don't know who it would be, you know. I mean, the closest name that I can come to is Malik Hall, but I don't think that he would 
take it over like that. I mean, he's the guy who's going to be tough on the floor for sure, and he's going to play his hardest. I just don't know if he's going to be the guy to tell everybody else, you know, we need to figure this out. So that does come as a bit of a concern uh, to me. But, you know, I we've doubted Izzo before in terms of that finding a leader, and I think that he probably can find one going into next year, or at least I'm hopeful that he can. I, I think – I think there are a couple candidates on this roster. I, I'm not. I'm not ready to go. All hope is lost. Uh, I think. I. I think if I think I have a couple people in mind for who can be that leadership. Um, you're right when I. I agree with you when you say that Joey Hauser doesn't look like a leader. He looks like he should be uh, vomit, uh, getting vomit on his sweater already. You know, mom spaghetti. Definitely. Um, he looks scared of the moment. Yeah, he looks nervous. Um, you know, he doesn't even look calm and ready on the surface. No. Uh, <laughs> Lucas, have you caught on to what I'm doing yet? Or I know. You were what, <laughs> five years old when that was out? <laughs> hey, listen, man. Before every T-ball match, I had to listen to Lose Yourself, all right? Every T-ball game. <laughs> uh, no, but... You know, honestly, like, I don't want to rip off our friends at Spartan Hoops here, but I, th- I think Julius Marble is probably a name to look out for as far as leadership goes. Um, if his, you know, if Izzo keeps, keeps turning to him at the five position, which we all knew going into the season was a position of great need. And, you know, there's going to be the competition at five in the conference next year is going to look a lot different than it does this year. And I think Julius Marble coming back as a junior, getting this experience as a sophomore is going to do, I think is going to help a lot. You know, is he going to be the best? Is he going to be the best center in the big 10? Probably not, but can he be a leader on a team that has a lot of young talent yeah, I think he can be. And, you know, Lucas, when you look at the, some of the people who are going to be here next year, who jumps out to you as, as, that, as that leader, as that locker room, as that glue guy? I go back to Rocket. I really think it should be. Um, will it be? Probably not. But I kind of want to see – you know, we didn't get an off season with this team. Like they didn't get to gel. Like this, this MSU team kind of looks like the one that you expect in November, losing a decent amount of games. It doesn't look like, you know, right around this time of year, this MSU team. You know, MSU is usually like the 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 parts are all moving in synchrony or in harmony, and we're ready to roll. Like we're ready for fucking March, but. I, I, I want to see an off season and see who emerges. Like, you know, when they play games together, when they go practice or when they just, you know, meet up and play or coordinate shit, I want to see who's the leader. Like if, you know, if they do, I don't know if they're going to do money ball this year. I doubt it. But, um, you know, if they do, it's like who, who, who comes out of there like with leading their teams to victories. I, I think it's going to be, I think Holler Marble I'm, I'm with you there, but, I could even see one of the freshmen 
like I'm starting to be a believer in, in Jay Nakins and Max Christie even more. Like they, they could end up being some great freshman leadership. You know, that that's what I'm kind of creeping towards too. Yeah. I, I love Christie's attitude. Yeah. I think he could be a leader day one. I, I have a hard time believing that that Christie is going to get enough minutes to be, to be a leader on this team. Really? Um, just because the way Izzo treats freshmen. I mean, look at the way he treated Madi in the midweek game at Purdue. He oh, was having the best game of that. his career so far. Oh my God. You know, God. thus far. And he doesn't touch the floor in the entire second half. That, um, that was stunning. I was so pissed off at Izzo for that. And, you know, even, even now, like, uh, freshmen don't have the, the leash that, that older players do at MSU. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be kind of the, that's going to be kind of the problem coming in now. Oh if a certain someone should reclassify, maybe that know. dynamic changes, right? Yeah. But I really don't, like you said earlier, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And like Izzo's not afraid to play talented freshmen. He's not afraid to start talented freshmen. He's not afraid to play talented freshmen big minutes. We've right. seen it before. We, and I was going to say Drew Neitzel was a freshman starting at the point. Like he, he will give a freshman a long leash if they've proven enough. Like if they've, if they've proven they can win games like Knightsel did, I, I just want to go back a ways. And I know it's been a long time, but, and obviously the 16, 17 class was full of a ton of great freshmen and he had to play him, but I, I get where you're coming from, but I just want to note that. And you said it right, right. When I was thinking about it, that he, he will bend a little bit when the freshmen are really good. So, you know, I, I have a hard time believing. Could Max Christie be a leader eventually? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to rule that out. You know, could Jay Nakins be a leader? Absolutely. I'm not going to rule that out. But are they going to come in and take the reins as the locker room guy? I doubt it. Right. So, you know, we'll – We'll see what happens, you know, but the, the leadership in the, um, the leadership in this team, I think is, is something that, that needs to be addressed in the off season. And, you know, now that we can hopefully have a, a normal ish off season, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe we'll, maybe that'll just pace things over. Um, but you know, our friend Trevor Mulready said it best. Um, teams who have had a lot of turnover from their rosters last year, you know, on the whole, they're they're suffering. They're suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Michigan is is succeeding highly with a they're bunch of transfers, but you know, that's kind of a bit of a different situation. Um, you know, you look at Duke, you look at Kentucky. Um, you look at Kansas, they're all, they're all struggling. I mean, they're all, they're all in the midst of some of the worst seasons they've had in a while. Yeah. I mean, Duke might sneak in. I think Kansas is getting in, but like Kentucky is just, 
complete ass. Like, they're not a good team. And neither are we, but we somehow have a shot to somehow still have a fucking shot. And I just felt like when, when we when I saw we won, I just went, hmm, all right. Because, <laughs> you know, I hate Indiana basketball, and I hate Archie Miller. And so I'm like, oh, man, we beat Archie Miller. But I'm like, the team's fucking 11 and 9. Okay, do it. Like, I want to see it when you're like 20, 20 and 1 or something. Um, but before we move on, or if we do, is anyone, am I the only one in our group that's starting to get the, the nervous feeling that Amani might not come? Yes. You're the only one. Okay. Here's the, (laughs) I'm glad I'm wrong. We've had this conversation before in private off air, but I just want to say it. Like I just want to put it out there on on the on the on the RSS feed. Um, Amani and his family are incredibly are incredibly savvy when it comes to handling Imani's career. Going straight to the NBA isn't an option for him. And if the option were to open up between now and the time where he would have to come to MSU, I have no problem with him going straight to the NBA. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. The new NBA CBA doesn't expire until like 2024 and they're not, and they're probably not going to touch it until then. You know, the only thing I read that if it were to be touched before that is basically if uh, LeBron wants his son to play with him. It, I don't think it would even. I don't think it would even be that. I think the the rule right now is is you have to be at least nineteen years old as of a cutoff date, and be one year removed from high school. Right. So what what's what those in the know are saying is that the the age the age cutoff can be dropped without having to alter the CBA as a whole. So that's most likely what's going to change. Yeah. But they're going to keep the the one year removed from high school stipulation. Is- because the NBA isn't going to get rid of a free minor league, just like the NFL isn't going to start its own its own minor league system because they have a free minor league system. Why the fuck would they change it? It's it's just creeped in my head because of how shitty this year has been going. I yeah. I think I I believe Brad has said this before too in off air. MSU having a shitty season right as Amani's making a decision whether or not to reclassify probably solidifies him coming and reclassifying hmm. versus scaring him away. Yeah. You know, we're talking about a guy who got bored at public school, so him and his dad started, started a fucking prep academy, you know? You know, that's the level of player we're talking about here. 
Yeah. And they understand what exposure at the college level can do, can do for, for a brand. They saw what happened to Zion, right? Zion blew his shoe out, got on an Instagram live wearing an Adidas hoodie and Nike gave him the biggest rookie contract they've ever handed out to anybody. (laughs) So I, everyone who's like freaking out thinking that Amani's not coming, Imani's not coming. He's coming. You guys just need to settle the fuck down. He's not gonna, he's not gonna decommit. He's not gonna leave. He's not gonna go, he's not gonna go do the G League program where they lock you in a gym for a year and you work out and you play three scrimmage games at the end of like at halftime of summer league, like you're a peewee hockey team. I'm I'm just a nervous Nelly. The Bates family understands what college basketball can do to, to a player's brand. Right. Right. Like how much it's, I'm sure I'm going Darren Ravel here, but like, what do they say that Zion added like maybe a hundred to $120 million? A hundred million, 150. You're yeah, but at least a hundred mil off of just being at Duke for a year and getting that exposure for his eventual brand. Right. So the, the calculus is, I get paid $2 million and I'm hidden away from everybody for a year and a half to go do some, to go like work out with some G league people. Yeah. And to possibly be in a bubble. Right. I go play, I go play in Europe for a year or China and fucking sit next to 38 year old dudes who, who are smoking packs on this or smoking cigarettes on the sidelines <laughs> and just getting my fucking and get my fucking ass kicked by guys named Sergey. Or I can go to MSU for eight months, be a fucking God amongst mortals, play on the biggest stage in play on some of the biggest stages in basketball and and become a legend before I even step foot in the NBA. Yeah. So for the people who are like, would you rather have Aikens or Armani? We don't oh. have to fucking choose because we're going to have them both. We They're don't have to fucking out. choose. It's not even a decision. That's like, that's like saying, would you rather have would you rather have, you know, would you rather have a dog or a best friend? You can have both. We're getting both. They'll, they'll make up. They'll be fine. It'll be fine. They'll just text each other. You good? I'm good. That's it. That's all you're going to do. Let's play ball. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's put aside our differences and win a championship. It's fine. Okay, you, made, you made me feel better, but I just, with how shitty this year has been going, I'm like, oh, it's, it's going to be another kick to the nuts if Amani's just like, I'm going to wait it out. That I, This is one thing I don't – because I'm newer to, to MSU fandom. 
<laughs> then then you are Lucas, just virtue of age. And, I was born into it. Yeah, molded by it, by right? It. Yeah. Like, I don't understand the constant pessimism surrounding surrounding MSU athletics. Like, that's one thing I've never understood. Oh, but is just the constant, just like the sky is always falling. We're masochists. We'll be fine. Elmani is coming. Settle if Amani if Amani doesn't come to MSU and he doesn't and he doesn't step foot on campus, Shardy. I'll come up with the you guys can come up with the punishment for me. I don't know. I can't. I'm <laughs> my brain's a little blah, blah, blah right now. So yeah. um just figure out a punishment for me. All right. Um I was just I'm just I just had in the back of my head, but you made me feel better. Carter, what do you think? Like, what do you think? I mean, you're we're, you're probably siding with Spartan Dog. Yeah, he he nailed it. Um, yeah. I remember uh, <clears throat> it wasn't long ago, maybe a couple months. There was that article when MSU had first started struggling and dropping dropping a couple games. Um, I think somebody asked him money about the struggles, and he said it only made him want to go out there and play with. He said I, he said it made me want to play with my dogs even more. So. It, it, you know, us losing and, and needing that go-to guy kind of shows him how much more he's needed here. And the fact that, you know, with the new NIL coming in, when is, do you guys know when that is? I think it's a year or two away. Yeah, it's a year or two. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if Michigan has passed um, legislation, but I believe California's kicks in 2023. I think Florida's yeah, kicks so, in pretty soon. Yeah, Florida's kicks in, I think, March maybe, at the end of the academic year maybe. I'm going to yeah, look. So, so he can make more money here. I you know, I expect the money to come here. I agree with the point of the exposure being a, a big uh, factor in him coming here too because him going overseas, like we saw, you know, what happened with, uh, with RJ Hampton. Obviously not the level of LaMelo ball where LaMelo can – uh, play at any level and be incredibly successful. Hampton is kind of going to be, his development is going to be a little dependent on where he is. And I think the environment of uh, being overseas wasn't as good for him as it was for LaMelo because he can just fit in anywhere. Um, the thing about Imani, I think he's more of a LaMelo talent, but I think that, you know, a kid who's wanted to play for Tom Izzo since he was like 14 and Tom Izzo has wanted him to play at Michigan State for so long is also going to be a, a, a big deciding factor so with that, um, that's going to be – I just think it makes more sense, you know, for him to come here. Um, I know he mentioned when he first committed uh, that he didn't want to go the G League route, uh, and I think that he will stick to that too because, as SD said, it makes much more sense uh, for him to go to college and get that exposure. And, and you see that guys who do go to college, their draft stock actually does better. So, right. yeah, I, I'm with him in saying that, yeah, I think Imani is coming. Uh, and I think that – I know that there's a little bit, you know, we've been – we've had kind of a rough year, and then we just saw the decommitment last week, uh, A, but I think that we will be fine. I agree. Well, like, can you blame Boyake when he – like, on the day he decommitted, Izzo does what he did to Mati? Like, how can you – how can you go – I can't believe Boyake decommitted and then watch that game and still say, I can't believe Boyake decommitted. <laughs> like, I blame him. Yeah. Um, you know, 
So they're they have we MSU has six games left. Um, just I'll just I just want to ask you guys before we move on other stuff. Versus Illinois Tuesday versus Ohio State Thursday, uh, Friday Saturday. Okay, Sunday at Maryland. Tuesday next Tuesday versus Indiana. Next Thursday versus at Michigan, and then two Sundays from now versus Michigan. I'd, I'd say going three and three is a success in this stretch. I I don't see them beating Michigan twice, let alone once. I don't see them beating Ohio State or Illinois. I think probably going to be zero and two, and then two and two, and then Michigan is two and two or two and four. I mean, I, I just saying I that win was nice yesterday, but the tournament's pretty much dead uh, un, unless they win the Big Ten tournament. I think I think what team shows up in what in what rotations yeah the team runs on Tuesday is going to help me determine what their record is going to be in these final 6 games because if they go back to playing 12 people then there's there's better chance than not we go one in five or zero oh and six in that last six games, hmm. but like I can't not be optimistic that Izzo has finally found a system that works, and he's going to continue running with it. So, you know, I'm not saying six and zero, oh. four and two is is doable. It's not. I'm not, I don't think I'm drinking Kool-Aid by give, predicting we'll go four and two in the final six. Give me three and three with one Michigan win. I'll be fine. I'll be fine with three and three and splitting That's, against Michigan, but I, I think I think four and two is a little more realistic than a lot of than a lot of people think right now. What are you looking at both Michigan games too, or are you looking at like Illinois? I think there's I think we can get Illinois on. I think if we catch Illinois off balance on Tuesday, we'll be, it'll be an interesting game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, beating Ohio state and beating Michigan twice, you know, and beating Illinois, even are are our tall task. I'm not saying that they're, you know, I'm not saying that they're, that it's that Illinois is the cakewalk you know, that they have been in years past. They're really good. But, you know, I think there's potential to, you know, to maybe get them to maybe catch them sleeping a little bit. You know, we'll see. Have um, to play just, good defense against AU and uh, – If Fizzle Cockburn. loses his fucking mind again and plays – and puts 15 on Kofi Cockburn, then, then yeah, it's, it's, it's <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's you know Carter. You know, am I am I crazy for thinking four and two is within reach here or no? I think a lot would have to go right to go four and two. Um, I think if you can get away with splitting one with Illinois, if you catch them off guard, uh, if you get one against Michigan at home, maybe that's a not easy thing to do at all either because that team's really good. Uh, you can get Maryland or Indiana or maybe both. I think if you get – I think you can get those two. You can beat Indiana, especially at home, and you can get Maryland because Maryland isn't as good. Um, they're a little better than MSU, but 
this is the kind of the time that Michigan State plays better. So we could see them get Maryland for sure. And then it just I think it just comes down to splitting with Michigan and Illinois. I think that gives them the best chance to uh, get a better seed in the Big Ten tournament. And then they'd have to make a good enough run in the Big Ten tournament to get in. They'd have to look really good to the committee. That's the thing that I'm thinking if they don't win it. So right. it's going to be hard, but mm-hmm. crazy Good question, Lucas. Great question. Thank you. So let's touch on football real quick. Uh, ben Van Summeren, who was at U of M, speaking of U of M, transferred, committed to MSU today. Um, we grab him out of the portal from U of M. Um, you know, his brother Alex is hotly recruited. Uh, he picked up a Clemson offer earlier in the week. So, you know, that's, that's where that, you know, that's kind of where he's at, but you know, Ben's wearing green and white and you know, um, those in the know, um, say he's, you know, he's very much, a he's very much a bull in a, he's very much a bull in a China shop type player. You know, he's a, he's a wind him up and set him loose kind of guy. Um, he's not coverage. Isn't his coverage. Isn't his, you know, isn't his, uh, isn't the thing he eats off of, but he's got a mean hit stick and he's a, and he never leaves the weight room. So, um, I trust, I trust Tucker's eye being a defensive guy and being a linebacking and getting his start in with the linebackers, you know, his coaching career with linebackers and the D line to, to, you know, kind of pick out guys who might be diamonds in the rough and can be developed. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on, on Van Summeren? Uh, I think that when you, I did uh, a while ago look at our linebacking roster right now, and I can tell you it is not good. You know, uh, we we run that four-two-five now, I believe, uh, and the linebackers that we would send out there are Chase Klein and Noah Harvey, and that should not strike fear in anyone. So adding Van Summeren uh, is good. Uh, I know that they did say that he was like a bull in a china shop. Yeah, he is. Definitely one of those players, but, you know, compare that to Noah Harvey, who's like a bull in a China shop with concrete hooves and can't even move. Um, So I think, you know, add another good linebacker. I mean, he's probably our best linebacker right now until Ma can come in and be ready to play. And once he can, he's going to be really good. Um, I know that uh, Mel is not done in the transfer portal yet, so we'll continue to see additions for a while. Um, I'm hoping that we can land Alex Van Summeren too. I think that if we land, if Michigan State lands Van Summeren, then I'm going to tout this as we won a recruit over Clemson. I, I don't care the level. If a guy is offered by Michigan State and Clemson and he chooses Michigan State, I am taking that as a huge victory. Oh, definitely. And I mean, and I mean that, you know, I hope that that can get Mel, that can elevate Mel's recruiting stature a little bit more because that was kind of the thing that he was brought in to do um, the most outside of winning games is, is be able to recruit kids to Michigan State. He's made it a priority of his 
So I think landing man someone is good. And I think that Alex is probably going to want to come play with him. But then again, that, that Clemson offer is enticing, but if we can snatch him away, that's going to do wonders for our program more than I think, more than I think people will realize. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, Mel has been on the record about how, how much he believes in Michigan state as a, as a brand. Um, I believe his exact words are, if you can't recruit at Michigan state, you probably can't recruit something along those lines. Um, you know, I, I, I think that flipping a guy from, from a rival, it, it's funny, you know, I'm <laughs> not to say anything. It's funny when it's us. Yeah. It's funny when we flip a guy, um, you know, once, when someone tells, uh, tells the free press that they're excited to sign with us and then oh. day of make a recruiting graphic, that's not funny. Waffling flake. Uh, yeah, waffling flake, definitely. Um, I got over that pretty quickly. It's like, all right. Yeah. Bye. Don't need you, dude. Just a couple hours. Sorry. Yeah. That's fucking doing someone dirty, too. Like, people remember that shit. Yeah, he's not gonna be. Um, yeah, he's not gonna be fondly, uh, fondly remembered by that staff or these players. It was a different circumstance, but this reminds me of eight, uh, seven and a half years ago with Drake Harris mm-hmm. uh, when he first committed to MSU, or he was all about MSU, and then he committed to Michigan and became like this kind of semi-hated player on Twitter, you know, for the last couple of years. Funny. Um, Go ahead. Sorry, I have a funny Drake Harris story. Uh, my high school played Drake Harris's high school, and um, in when I was a sophomore, I think, and uh, he he had um, he, he posted cringe as the kids would say. So what we did is we printed out just screenshots of his tweets. And held them up <laughs> at the game. Um, there was one that was like Rockford girls, though, with like four like greater than signs. Um, very funny. Uh, that's how I I don't I don't even remember Drake Harris at Michigan. I just remember uh, I just remember holding a twenty four by thirty six uh, tweet that said Rockford girls, though. <laughs> um, so that's, you know, that's my, that's my non sequitur, uh, Drake Harris, Drake Harris story. But, uh, Rook, I do like what we did with Van Summer and getting him here. And anytime you quote the dark Knight, you know, you're, you're one of my favorite players already. So, yeah, I, I think we're going to get his brother. I, I really think it's kind of like, where are you going to go? Oh, I think I'm going to go there. All right. Sounds good. I'll see you there. I think we're getting both. My 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 bold hot prediction. I'm, you know, it's I'm very brave. <laughs> it's funny that in that in not even twenty minutes you went from the sky is falling, Imani's not coming, to even though his brother got a Clemson offer, we're gonna get the other Van Summer. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the duality of man, you know the. 
What's the what's the meme you keep sharing? The twisted psychopath one or whatever the with with Walter White and Heisenberg. <laughs> that one is so good. <laughs> uh, so um, that's all we got for MSU sports right now. Uh, Wandavision. What a heater! Um, again, knew it was coming though. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I like that. You know, I, I don't know if you listened to the Watchman Companion podcast, Lucas, as it was as it was coming out. Damn it! I need to do that. I've already watched the show two more times. I need to do that this third this or yeah this third time I watch it. Uh, but you know I. Th- think it was after it was after the sixth episode uh they released them after you know every third episode they had a podcast it was um it was lindelof with craig mazin who you may recognize as as showrunner of chernobyl in the upcoming last of us series yeah but you know lindelof said that like there's really no point in trying to surprise in trying to surprise an audience anymore because they're just going to go to Reddit and figure it out. Right. Um, and I feel like Matt Shackman and Jack Schaefer, the, the two principal writers and showrunners for, for WandaVision took the same approach here because, you know, there was no pulling wool over anyone's eyes that Catherine Hahn wasn't going to be anyone else, but wasn't just going to be some, some like random town, some random resident who got sucked up into this, into this simulation. So I kind of like that. It was just like that they were so like, yeah, like she's Agatha Harkness. Like it, you know, like they were so like, they weren't saving that twist. You know, it was very, it was just like, yeah, like this is what's really going on. You know, great, great song. Yeah. Um, it, it was Agatha all along. It reminded me a lot of um, it reminded me a lot of like those uh, like '60s Halloween songs, you know, like uh, Monster Mash, like that. You know, kind of that's what it kind of reminded me of. Um, yeah, you know, I um, I really liked the um, I really like you know. I really liked uh, Vision's, uh, you know, um, confessionals. Like the uh, in the Bachelor world, uh, they call them ITCs. Uh, I really or ICMs. I think they called. I'm, I don't know, but um, like I really liked where he's like, "Why am I talking to you?" <laughs> like, like it was like the. Um, like he truly was like breaking the fourth wall. Like the title of the episode is called breaking the, you know, breaking the fourth wall. Um, you know, I really enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, I think it was, you know, I think we're, I think it's setting up for, for a final, for a final two that are going to really, really going to put a bow on, on this, on this new, on this new era in the MCU. Yeah, I hope these next two episodes are an hour. Yeah, I, we were promised the last three episodes being an hour each. When I saw that this episode was 37 minutes, not going to lie to you, 
little deflated. Yeah. Little little defeated. The hat man does it again. Motherfucker. Um, I, I'm really starting to wonder who we're gonna see as the uh the big cameo. You know, uh, do we think it's just Reed Richards or do you do we think it's would the hat man do Reed Richards in this show and another X-Men? I, I don't think he would do that. Well, but... here's the thing. I I went back to that interview because I was because I was so confident that the aerospace engineer or whatever that Monica was talking about was gonna be Reed Richards. That when it wasn't, it was just like some Air Force group or whatever. I was like, all right, like, so the headline says that, but it was like a leading question. So someone asked Elizabeth Olsen, like, is there a Luke Skywalker level cameo that's coming at the end of this show? And she didn't say that yet. She didn't say directly to that question yet. She says, I think you guys will be really surprised with what the, you know, she danced around it. Mm. So she didn't say herself, there's a Luke Skywalker level cameo in this, in this series. So I don't know if one is coming. I, I think one's coming, but. You what do you think, Carter? I think so, too, because Paul Bettany said he was really excited to work with who this big cameo was. So it's probably it's, it was it was somebody he wanted to work with for a long time. So I it I think that it's going to be a pretty incredible payoff, or at least I hope, of course. Um, I think everyone in the MCU, like the actors, uh, when it comes to this type of stuff outside of Tom Holland, are really good at keeping it under wraps. Uh, their their media teams are so good with, with you know, being being secretive and being, uh, being, uh, what is it? Anticip they're good at anticipating things like this. Um, I really like how the, the ending of the show is probably going to be super epic. And then it's going to lead into something even more just because of the, the multi, you know, the, 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 the multiverse undertone of everything. And the idea that, you know, Pietro, uh, was the the ex the the X Men Pietro and not her like brother that was Aaron Taylor Johnson it was Evan Peters instead and and now that looks like it's going in another direction so I'm intrigued to see what they do with that uh, but I think that I think and also when it came to the Catherine Hahn situation uh, with Agatha when they revealed Wanda as you know swords big target around like i think the fourth or fifth episode i think that's a little too early to reveal her he's like the big villain of this so you know that there's probably like a bigger hand behind all this so uh, i think it's i think it's going to be super fun to find out what happens in the next couple of weeks yeah uh, one one theory that that i really like and i think might be confirmed that disney plus might have you know a little bit of uh sly sly wink wink um is that uh hayward is actually ultron because in the oh. comics ultron is known to disguise himself as like high level government officials to to fuck shit up and at the end of the episode disney plus record recommended me age of ultron 
So I was, you know, I, I don't, that was probably just Disney plus like, Hey, like we need you to stay on the platform longer because we need high numbers to show shareholders or whatever, because the parks aren't open, but you know, you never know. That could be a, could be a fun little wink, wink. Um, Whoa. You know, I need to read that. Yeah. One, one thing, um, you know, I like the other thing I liked too was, you know, they weren't, they're not hiding Monica's, the fact that Monica has powers now either, right? Like they kind of show, you know, they weren't, they weren't going to hold on to that. And I really, that's what makes me think that we're in for something great in the final two episodes because. Like they know what you expect and they're giving it to you. And that's how you know that you're kind of in the hands of, of good showrunners when they're, you know, when, when you can see what's coming and they know you can see what's coming Mm -hmm. and that leaves you open to be surprised by, by like, by what you don't see coming. And I think we have a couple things, a couple things that we're, that we don't, that we haven't even thought about yet that we're going to see that I'm excited about. Do you you buy the theory that Mephisto was uh, the fly in the, uh, in in Agatha's house when Wanda looks over and sees, you know, the kids were there, they're gone. And then sees on the TV, the Teletubbies rip off or whatever. And then the fly and they, they intentionally zoom on on that fly. Did you call, wait, you know, that's a real show, right? No. Yo Gabba Gabba, like that's like oh, that's Yo Gabba Gabba. Okay, yeah, I'm. I was, you don't remember? You don't remember that episode of South Park where uh, where Ike accidentally gets a testosterone and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Taming Strange. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I I sorry, brain fart, but um, yeah, I I like that theory that Mephisto in the in the comics he first showed up as a fly, so and. There's that theory that whenever Agatha talks about Ralph, we've never seen him. He's probably Mephisto. I like that theory too. I'm on. I'm on board with that one. I I can't wait to see what you know how they how they how they talk how they talk around um, Evan Peters being there because we see that Agatha's the one that conjured Pietro into Westview. Yeah. Um, in the, you know, in the song, uh, in the song collage. Plus she killed a dog. She's a piece of shit. You know, it's yeah. like John Wick, you know, has, has Agatha Harkness never heard of John Wick? Like you never kill someone's dog. That's the cameo Keanu. <laughs> John Wick. John Wick is in the MCU. <laughs> the other one, I think this one was a reach because I've been digging deep into that WandaVision subreddit. There's some really fucking funny memes, but like other than that, it's just people throwing shit to a wall and see if it sticks. But someone was like, oh, on the TV that Yo Gabba Gabba show, um, you see a one head, one eyed. Uh, creature is that is that hitting it we're gonna see cyclops no like, that's just like one of the characters of Yoga. i'm like whoa i'm like okay <laughs> i think you're digging a little too deep here 
I to watch Yo Gabba Gabba. So like th- that's just like one of the that's one of the cast of characters in Yo Gabba Gabba. Right. Like that's not that's not you know. <laughs> that one was like okay, guys. I think you need to step away from the show for a minute. I think it was interesting that you know Marvel kind of is kind of built this this culture around the mid credit sequence around the stingers right and like so much so that when i went to go see endgame the usher at the theater was like there's no mid credit scene there's no end credit scene just get up and leave hmm. so you could clean out the theater since it's a three and a half hour right movie. So the fact that episode seven is the first one where we get a mid credit scene, it was very interesting to me. It's like they, they, they're done doing the experimental part and now it's going to be like a movie. Right. I, I think that speaks to like, that speaks to the, the we're going full MCU now. Like we're done. We're done with the TV stuff. Like this is just we're doing we're doing MCU. You know, it's MCU time. Uh and it'll be interesting to see how they pick that up because you know it's obvious right now. It's obvious to me at least. I don't know about you guys that Pietro just it's it's not it's not Pietro. Like it's not it's not, it's not, he's not Pietro from the X-Men movies. He's not like Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's not Aaron Taylor Johnson's character. It's obvious that he's some other kind of force. Um, he might be using Pietro from the X-Men universe's body like Agatha might. But it's pretty clear to me that it's not, it's not the guy, you know, it's not who we think. It's not like actually Pietro. It's, it's something else is going on. Yeah, I'm, I'd be a little disappointed because I do want to see another X-Men, but, you know, I, I think we're still uh, two years away from anything big with that. I think the next big mutant thing is going to be Deadpool 3. I think that's the next time we see we right. see or hear of mutants in the MCU at all is, is Deadpool I, 3. I think that's 2023 release. Yeah. And that's when it was rumored the X-Men would start to be talked about or at least like being revealed or something so i think we've talked about that off off uh, offline like i i remember thinking i when deadpool 3 got officially announced like that could be the intro for the x-men that would be perfect well yeah because then it could just be deadpool making fun of it the whole time i mean that's that's yeah. your in i mean that's your that's your angle into into it is just deadpool going like what the fuck you know yeah um it'd be funny if in deadpool 3 like for the first five minutes, every time he swears, it gets covered up. His mouth gets covered up with mouse ears. It's like, sets of like, <laughs> like what the, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for Deadpool to come back. I really, I hope he gets to, to be in like some sort of post credit scene bef- before Deadpool three comes out. Yeah. Well, I always thought that he was going to show up at the end of Endgame. Like that was going to be the mid credit scene of Endgame was like Deadpool showing up to the rubble 
fucking feet. Like, I'm here. I'm here. He's got like a bag of fat pizza. He's got like some pizzas with him or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's like out of breath. He's like running. Yeah. That I thought, you know, I thought that'd be pretty funny, but. Um, well, it, didn't, I really it, it wouldn't have really be... matched the tone of. No. <laughs> the tone of like, it. my wife was crying at the end of Endgame, and I don't think it would have been handled well when she's crying, and then all of a sudden, Deadpool shows up, and everyone's kind of like, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of crying, laughing in the theater. I I really wish we got to get that Deadpool uh, three that was him on a road trip with uh, Logan. That'd be awesome. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been that would have been funny. What What do you What do you How are your What are your thoughts on WandaVision, Carter? When John Krasinski comes in as Reed Richards, what is uh, what is Jimmy Woo gonna do? We're gonna see like a Spider Man thing. <laughs> I hope they do that, like do a point at each other. I, I I'd lose my mind. I don't think it's gonna happen, but that would be the funniest thing ever. I think. I We're think, definitely getting Reed Richards, right? I I don't think, think that I don't think there would have been. I don't think, uh, Chapek or Iger, or whoever, I don't think they would have announced the Fantastic Four movie at the shareholders meeting or, you know, like the, whatever the shareholders thing they did. Yeah, with, without wheels being in motion. Right. They wouldn't have announced it without a plan to introduce them. Like, I... Like the blade thing, I think is different because it's like, here's this two time Oscar winner. He wants to make something with us. Yeah. We want to make something with him. He wants to be blade. Perfect. He can be blade. I can't fucking wait for his blade. But you know, the, I don't, I don't, they, Feige has to know the stakes of, of the fantastic four. You know, if if this if they don't if they don't get it right this time, Oof. it's over. They can't they can't like set it aside for five years and try it again. No. If they don't do it right this time, it's over. And I think announcing it at the shareholders' day was a very, very deliberate move. Yeah. Like there's definitely been casting. I really believe that for the Fantastic Four. Like Carter, yeah, I think it's John Krasinski, and I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to get Emily Blunt as Sue Storm. I think the only thing that makes me think that it's John Krasinski is it would have to be someone big enough to where they can trust their people to not leak it. Mm-hmm. Casting John Krasinski, you know, John Krasinski has a lot of other shit going on. He has a movie that oh, might yeah. come out. <laughs> it's been <laughs> like, done. Yeah, it's been done yeah. for it's been done for like a year and a, it's been done for almost two years now. <laughs> like it's you remember, know, and Ken Jack's seen it. Ken Jack has seen the movie. Yeah, the co-host of one of the podcasts, you know, the podcast we met we met on LCB. Like he he saw that's like the last movie he saw before quarantine a year ago yeah he's like i have a review and an interview that i cannot air until this movie comes out uh, man i can't i'm gonna lose my shit if, if it's john krasinski i well, really I, 
Hot take, I don't think we see Reed Richards. I think Krasinski is probably going to play Reed Richards. I think the four are already cast. Hmm. You think you think all four are cast? I think all four are probably cast. Hmm. Um, you know, I don't think... I don't think announcing the movie and announcing that John Watts is going to direct would benefit Marvel Studios unless they had something planned for them before the movie comes out. Right. right? Like, I don't... That's not their style. You know what I mean? They don't announce anything unless they have someone casted for it. The only reason they announced Blade is because they had Mahersha Ali in the bag already. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, it, that's like probably four or five years away, but right. it's it, going to be awesome. It didn't matter. They had the opportunity to bring Mahersha Ali out at, at Comic-Con, so they're going to bring Mahersha Ali out at Comic-Con. And that was like the, I think that was the biggest screaming reaction was when, when they announced it and he walked out. For sure. Yeah, I remember watching that live stream. That was fucking awesome. Yeah, I, man, all forecasts. Now I just want to sit here and think like who it would be. Um, yeah, and you're right. You know, they could, like she says, it's an astro or, you know, a space engineer friend of mine. She could just like text him and then it could see R. Richards and she'd go, hey, Reed, how's it going? Okay, it would, sounds good. It would be a bigger reveal than that, I think. And that's, the fact that we didn't meet them, I think I'm not sure if we see them, but I think John Krasinski is probably playing Reed Richards because if they had cast a relative unknown, some one someone would have leaked. Someone in the inner circle would have leaked it already. Yeah. So I, you know, it doesn't benefit Krasinski and it doesn't benefit Marvel to have Krasinski leak it. So you know, that's kind of where I'm at. It's Adam Sandler. Um, Kevin James, Dalma <laughs> um, Hayek as Sue Storm, and um, uh, Chris Rock as um, the Human Torch. No, da- uh, David Spade or Rob Schneider. <laughs> Rob Schneider as a uh, as Doctor Doom. <laughs> Monica calls and Sabadoo. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what's going on. I hope we get that bonus 10th episode. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, we'll see. I think, I think if we were actually getting a 10th episode, I think, I think it probably would have been announced by now. Or it would just, or they'd be like, okay, ep- here's episode nine and 10 of WandaVision. Like it's a, right. it's a two-parter. Yeah. They would either drop them together or they would have announced that there was a, that there was an extra episode already. Right. So, um, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, it's a new era for the MCU. So maybe it's a new era of, maybe it's a new era of how they play the game, you know? Um, we'll I'm, see. I'm in, I'm, I'm in all the way. Yeah. But like, in, you know, the seeing where we're at now versus how we started, it totally makes sense that this wasn't the first MCU show. Right. <laughs> That they wanted Falcon and the Winter Soldier to be the first one, and then Wanda, WandaVision to come after. So that right, it's like they might be spilling a little too much info right away. But 
or no, like I think just the buy-in of the concept is higher. Right. Um, Cause you know, like after the first two episodes, I, I watched with my mommy and daddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, my dad was out after the first two. He's like, if it's going to be like this the whole time I'm out. Yeah. My in-laws were the same way. So like, I can see why they wanted Falcon and the Winter Soldier to like build that trust and go, okay, like now that we have your attention, like, like here's like our take on Bewitched, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, Carter, uh, The Bachelor, um, interesting times to be a part of, to be a part of Bachelor Nation, uh, you know, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll see you guys later. Okay. Bye, Lucas. Go green. Thanks, Carter. later Lucas actually left I thought that was a bit he was doing but no he's he's actually just a bit guys so yeah just a bit it's only a bit don't worry about it it's just a bit uh yeah the bachelor um you know we're kind of uh it's hometowns this week for for Matt James and his and his final four uh it kind of feels like he dropped a lot really quick uh, you know, this season has been like, has been kind of all over the place with the number of women. Uh, you know, we got down to like 14 and then they threw five more at them. That was kind of a dick move on the producer's part. Um, but, you know, the the producers, <laughs> tri- the producers of the Bachelor's approval rating are kind of at an all-time low right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that explains why they've been so hands-on with this season, I feel like. You know, bringing in those those women's, uh, keeping Victoria around longer than anybody wanted. Um, I think they created kind of, with, with Victoria and, the, and the, the problems she caused, created kind of a hierarchy of, of problematic women. With her at the top, you got Anna, MJ, Serena C, you know. But at that point, it's, at this point, it's, it, that doesn't really matter since, you know, they've all been kicked off but yeah they definitely have been trying to do a couple things um i you know compared to other seasons i don't i i don't really know you know how relative it is but this season it feels like the producers are much more hands-on trying to uh kind of manufacture some some drama and things like that because i don't think there's a whole lot i i want to put this in the nicest way possible matt is a really nice guy but he isn't exactly like enticing television to watch. He's kind of a he's kind of a boring dude, and he's he's very strange. Well, can but, I? Yeah. I I think I think they did him dirty on the edit because like if you follow him on like social media, like his TikToks are kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Like he's very funny on TikTok, and he's very self aware. I've seen yeah, I've seen some. Um, of and, you know, he's pretty, you know, he does have kind of a, you know, he's not like one of those, he's not like the uh, the representative Ben Wyatt works for in Parks and Rec, where he's just like a robot. Um, but mm. I, I, I think he's getting a weird edit this season. And I think the edit he's getting speaks to the larger, um, kind of a lot of the reason why, why The Bachelor's kind of in hot water right now. Yeah. Um, it's just like there's a lot of, you know, we don't get to see a lot of Matt's personality. And maybe that's because of just like all of the all of the extra unnecessary drama. 
this season. Um, you know, there's a lot more. <laughs> there's a lot more. You know, I, I felt like this season and Pete season, pilot Pete season were were more dramatic than they needed to be, and they've kind of strayed from from like the the show's premise. You know, they've kind of made it all about like about ratcheting up the drama and like, that's not really, it's not really necessary because I think like they kind of, you know, Claire and Tasha's season, I think like Claire was unbearable. I'm not, you know, Claire was bad, but I think Tasha, Tasha's season, I loved Tasha's part or part of the season, I guess. Because, like, it wasn't drama. It was just her trying to make, like, a legitimate connection with these guys. And I think, like, once you got to the end, like, you can understand, like, why she, why she chose Zach. Like, you can see, like, her and Zach having a legitimate connection. Um, you know... And you can, you could have, you saw it at the beginning and you saw it build and build and build because they spent so much time on it here. Like Matt saying, like, I'm falling in love with you to girls. We barely seen because we got to spend 20 fucking minutes on, on whatever drama's going on in the house this week. Yeah, it feels unnecessary. I mean, there's always, you know, it's, it's, there's always going to be the entertainment factor of putting 30 women in a room together and not all of them are going to get along, but I feel like there's just been to the point where it feels like it's, it's gratuitous in terms of how much drama there has been, because yes, not everyone's going to get along. I don't think they're going to butt heads as much as what happened has happened this season. Um, And, and it was almost like, and it was almost like as a mean girl got eliminated someone else felt the need to like step up that's yeah that's where i was coming from like when when victoria's gone it was well anna got kicked off i think before she did but those two had started kind of forming a bond and against everyone else but yeah once it was her once those two were gone it was it was mj and then after that i think it was serena c have you noticed anyone else you know in your mind who's been kind of like that no well i think like there's been no one else because matt has had to shed women so quickly so like now mm-hmm. we're down to the final four of of Rachel, Serena P, Michelle, and Bree. And you know, like I, <laughs> I I don't know anything about it. I know I know about Rachel, but not yeah, for we know about Rachel. <laughs> not for a good reason. No. Uh you know, I I know Michelle's a teacher, uh, you know, and I know Serena P is one of the Serenas. I don't know anything about Serena P. I don't know anything about Bree. The only thing I know about Rachel is she went to an old South party. That's literally yeah, the only I thing I know about Rachel. She went that to a is going to be... order party. <laughs> That's going to be interesting television when, uh, when she brings Matt to her family home. That has been something I've been dreading to watch, but also I've been so intrigued to find out what happens. I think, 
I'm not sure, you know, um, I think The Bachelor, I think The Bachelor needs a recalibration. And I think having all of this go on and like having Chris Harrison step aside and kind of doing this provides an opportunity for them to do a reset. And, you know, if, if they want to do, you know, they can't do the unadulterated chaos as well as, as well as Love Island does it, you know, and I don't think they can, I don't think they can do the drama as well as something like 90 Day Fiance does it, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I think the path forward for The Bachelor is you just need to keep it as much on, like, the person going through this process as possible. And I think, and I think a good start would be, like, de-emphasizing the, the importance of, like, proposing at the end. Because, like... That's the one thing that never made sense to me. Like I understand the the societal symbolism of a proposal, right? But like mm-hmm. in like real in like real physical terms, like a proposal is just like it is just like hey, like do you want to get married eventually? Like, it's not like you have to give the ring back if you don't get married within a, within a time window. Like, you can, like, take as long as you want. And I think Hannah G and Dylan are a good example of that, where they're like, we spent all this time together. Like, we're engaged now. Like, let's see how it goes. And I think Zach and Tasha are kind of following in that same blueprint so I think kind of de-emphasizing that pressure of like engagement as like this huge life step. And it's like, no, this is just like, like you guys can figure it out. Right. And just like, see what happens afterwards and maybe even take away the proposal element. Yeah. Just right at the end, just be like, yeah, I choose you. Yeah. Like eventually let's... we can get married. You're the one, you know, you're the one I love the most. So <laughs> Right. Eventually something will happen, but it doesn't have to be right away. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. So I, you know, I think the show needs to, you know, they need to like double down on the thing that works. And I think the thing that works for The Bachelor is just like a person like getting to know multiple people on like a deep level. Like I've never been more engaged with the show than when Tasha and I think was it easy or Ivan were talking about black lives matter and George Floyd. Um, I think it was easy. Um, Somebody was talking about that on this season. I know. Yeah. And I know Matt and I believe Chelsea that sounds right. Um, they were talking about about the protests. And I think it's just because like I think I think the show's at its most intriguing when 
we get like actual moments and we get actual conversations between the lead and the girls instead of like, yeah, my life's been really hard. Like my dad's like, my dad's kind of, my, my mom and dad got divorced, you -hmm. know, like, I think the show's at its most intriguing where it's like, I have to take care of my aging mother. Like, Mm-hmm. Like my dad has ALS. I don't know how much time he has left. Mm, yeah. Like I think that's when the show's at its most, like, at its best, at its most captivating. And I wish they would focus more on that and less on the drama because it's like it gets grating after a while, and you're never going to be able to do drama as well as the other shows because of your format. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, it's clear Victoria only lasted as long as she did because the producers wanted her there. Right. Because there's no redeeming qualities about her. (laughs) Right. She's not that, you know, her, she looked like, you know, like this isn't, you know, I'm not attacking her looks, but like, like her wardrobe, like her dresses were ugly. She, she, she wore like, she wore like a full, like bustier under a backless dress. So you could see the entire like bra, like nobody in the house had an extra pair. That's how, you know, you don't have any friends when someone was like, here, take my sticky boobs. Like I have an extra pair of sticky boobs. Take them. When they let you walk out, when they let you walk out of your room and down to the cocktail party and you're wearing a full-ass bra under a backless dress. Yeah, that was a rough couple weeks with her on the show. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, I, I think taking this time to, like, figure out, like, what the show should be and listening to the people who dedicate their time to the show I think could be really beneficial going forward. So we'll see what happens, but you know, have you, have you read any leaks or anything? So like I try to stay as fresh as possible. I don't like to, I don't like to, you know, I don't like to snoop and try to get ahead. Yeah. I, I think I've seen some things um, because anytime I see, you know, a really attractive contestant on, on Instagram, I'll follow them, and then, and then a bunch of stuff will pop up on my Instagram feed. So then I'll see, you know, leaks and things like that. I've seen one of who they rumored the winner to be. Uh, I don't know yet. You know, I don't know if that's going to be true or not. So I guess we'll find out. But I've seen a couple of things. I, I have, you know, I try to stay as fresh. I don't follow any of the contestants until after the season for that exact reason. Yeah. So um, even though I do, even though I have, I broke down and follow Katie on Twitter. She's awesome, man. She's I fucking so love Katie, man. Like, just God, they ruined it. I want her. Katie. I want Katie to marry me so bad. Like, just fucking <laughs> Katie. Like, please. She has a podcast. That's gonna be my next. Uh, that's gonna be my next ad. Is is Katie Bacon Wire <laughs> collaboration? That's gonna be my next ad to to our uh, to our thing. Is Katie? <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I just you know. I honestly, with all the heat Rachel's been getting, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up with Rachel and then they like break up mm-hmm. after the final rose. 
It's going to be interesting to see what the show looks like in the future with Dr. Chris Harrison. And I'll just, I'll just end on that, you know? Yeah. Um, like the more stuff has come out about the things he said in the past, the more I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck? You wouldn't have never thought, yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, I feel like I'm getting real rambly right now. call it an episode. Uh, Carter, thanks for filling in for Craig. Uh, Lucas and I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, Lucas left. He said, have a good night, guys. <laughs> have a good night, guys. We're out. Uh, Carter, go green. Go white.